0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com.
1: Well, we're beginning a brand new series today called Truth Matters. Um, Seeking truth is a life journey that can feel confusing, but as a follower of Jesus, we are not left alone. Are you thankful for that? Because the truth Capital T, truth, lives in us. It lives in you and it lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in us and will guide us into all truth. If you're a Bible reader, perhaps you have read um, the most famous uh, Sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that in that sermon, he tells a story. It's, it's a parable about house building at the conclusion. It's in Matthew 7:24 through 27, just three verses, but if you've read it, you know that Jesus is telling a story about two builders, and he says this, there's a builder. Maybe years ago, you sang a song that went something like, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Yeah, but it was the sand first, right? So The foolish man built his house upon the sand, the wise man built his house upon the rock. It's out of that that story. Um, But two houses are being built. One's being built on one foundation, the other one's being built on the other foundation. And then life happens, and the winds come and the waters come, and one stands and one collapses. And speaking of these builders, Jesus refers to the one who is wise and builds on the rock. So the 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 two houses are being built are different, but they're being built on the same foundation. Jesus speaks about the one who is wise and builds on the rock. It's on the screen there while the other is foolish and builds on the sand. And you know the story. Have you ever spent time on something? Because I have, I've experienced this, a project of some kind, and then you stood back and watched it collapse. Have you ever done that? I I have, you're like, what just happened to this thing that I spent so much time on, I put so much effort into it, but then you stand back and look at the destruction, you're like, what did I do Wrong. Your collapse project has left you devastated and even wondering about the future maybe because your collapse project isn't a box or even perhaps a building. Maybe it's a life. And now you're wondering about the future. In our Jesus story, standing from a distance watching, let me ask you kind of a stupid question, silly question. Which house would you choose? Which one would you choose? Like, would you choose the one on the sand? No, would you choose the one built on the rock? Yeah, so you've been traveling, I've been traveling, you go like, boy, who built that, right? And you kind of wonder, how long will that last? How long will that stand? Well, if we were outside the story and we were listening in, we would choose that house built on the rock. You would, and I would. I'm not a builder, we have many builders in the church, but here's what I do know, house on the sand is not going to last long. There's a huge lesson here, and it's not in your your notes that you have. You can put it in the doodle space, which is on the back. Today's decisions impact tomorrow's realities. Just think about that. Today's decisions and how we build and what we're building impact tomorrow's reality. But there are three lessons I want to just extract from this story that Jesus shares and really apply to all of us. So it doesn't really make any difference how old you are or how, how young you are. And shout out to the students out there, up there again. Thank you so much. Uh, they're up there. It doesn't make any difference. If you're just like breathing air, these all apply to you. Are you ready? All are building. Everybody say all are building. That's you and that's me. Each one of us are involved in a building project we maybe have never thought about that way but but we are we are making decisions today that will impact our tomorrows all are building and number two all are choosing which foundation every one of us we may not be intentionally choosing but we are and some of us are intentionally choosing on the foundation that that we're building but all are building and all are choosing the foundation of which we're building on And thirdly, and I think you'll agree with this, all will face rain and floods. It's called life. All of us will. You you may be sitting here today, you may be online, and you're experiencing the rain, you're experiencing, life has come at you heavy. For some of us, tomorrow's always there, right? If we're not experiencing it today, we could Tomorrow. All will face rain and floods. It's called life. But the spiritual lesson here is really found in the first verse of the story, story, Matthew chapter seven, verse number 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Just listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying like everyone who like hears the word and then he does what? He does them will be like the man who builds on the foundation of a rock. It's not just hearing, but doing. Obedience is doing. Um, um, Perhaps uh, you're that parent or you're that kid um, who heard growing up, don't just listen to me do what I say. Anybody? It's like, my mother said that. My mother said that. You've said it as parents to your kids. Like, if they just listen to you but they don't do what you say to them, there's a problem. Hearing and doing, obedience is doing. It seems at times that so much of what we are seeing today, the times that we are living in, seek to pull us away from the firm foundation of God's word. Our feelings often betray us and lead us away from that firm foundation of his word. More on that later. Psalm 119 verse 15, would you just jot that down? I see many of you are, are filling in notes. I call it our challenge verse, Psalm 119 verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. That, that verse kinda just um, lifted off the page of the Bible this past week for me. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way, So I submit to you as as our challenge verse, um, that we will be people who commit to God's word, his precepts, his ways, and fix our eyes on his ways. Here's what my mother taught me when she was teaching me to drive. She said, when you're driving like, do not look at the guy walking on the shoulder of the road. Because if you fix your eyes on him, guess what's gonna happen? Exactly, like just you're gonna drift that way. So don't do that. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on the road ahead. I'll meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. The wise builder has discovered truth. But what's our challenge today when we speak of truth? What is your name, please?
0: My name is Rosemary.
1: Today, Rosemary, together with two imposters, will try to fool
0: this panel. Giddy Carlisle, Orson Dean, Peggy Cass, and Tom Poston. It's all going to happen right here on To Tell the Truth.
1: Now, <laughs> I, am, I am not even going to ask you if any of you remember that show, because if you do, you are old. Put your hand down. Okay, right? Right. So I'm, I'm not going to even ask, ask the question, but, you know, I have... Just uh, kind of like a vague memory. It's way, way back there, about a show like this. Old man, but I, I, I did think about it. Um, I was kind of developing our teaching today, because um, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? We like, okay, is that the truth? Is that the truth? Is that the truth? Is that the truth? How do we figure out which way to go? And using the illustration of Jesus, how do we figure out? what the firm foundation that we are to, to, to build on. Sometimes it's hard to figure out and understand what the truth, There was so many voices in the world today offering truth or telling you how to build. It's as if um, we're standing in a truth maze, almost like a corn maze trying to figure our, our, our way out. I mentioned to you our, our challenge verse. Let me give to you our theme verse that's going to guide us throughout this series. Um, It's from Psalm 25, verse 5. Again, um, as I was considering the psalm this, this past week, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Lead me in whose truth? In your truth, in God's truth, and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Lead me in your truth. This, Psalms 25, verse 5, is both a prayer And a commitment. So I lift my prayer to you, God, that you would lead me in your truth and teach me. And that's my commitment for you're my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. It's both a prayer and a commitment. And I pray that we adopt that for all all of life. Teach us, Lord. And here is why truth matters, and where you get your truth matters. Truth matters. And where you get your truth matters. Now, I'm going to repeat that so many times that I pray that you wake up at night and it shows up in your dreams. That it shows up around your dinner table. Truth matters and where you get your truth matters. And so for the next two weeks, I want to build a, f- a foundation. Not, not next week because like next week, where are we? Yeah, outside, there you go. So for the next two weeks, I want to build a foundation as we ask kind of the following questions. Are we free as mankind to determine what truth is? Are we free to do that? Other questions that we must answer include, is truth relative? Is truth dependent on my personal whim? Is there absolute truth? And if, if yes, if the answer is yes, what is it based on? Where can followers of Jesus go for guidance or to kind of place it within the context of our story? Where can you and I go so that we're sure that we're building on this firm foundation? Is truth socially constructed? Maybe you've heard that phrase. And what is social constructionism? Well, Wikipedia um, defines it this way, social constructionism is a theory in sociology, social ontology, and communication theory which proposes that there are certain kinds of facts which, rather than depending on physical reality, instead depend on the shared ways of thinking about and representing the world that groups of people develop collaboratively. That's what social constructionism is all about. So we develop what truth is, individuals and as groups. Are we free to determine matters related to life when life begins or ends? How about matters of sexuality or gender, for example? Are we free? I, I submit no, we are not. If no, to whom do we go and where do we go for the truth? So what do we do in this maze of life? There's a problem. According to Barna, Trends 2018, truth is increasingly regarded as something felt or relative rather than something known or absolute. Truth is increasingly regarded as something felt or relative rather than something known or absolute. Now, are feelings bad? No, feelings aren't bad. God gave us feelings, but do your feelings change? You should be doing this, right? My feelings change. And and if I were to be honest with you, and I will be, is that you know my feelings aren't always in alignment with God. Are yours? Sometimes I have feelings I that are, sometimes I get angry. Sometimes my feelings are not what they should be. Do, Do my feelings always align with God's word? No. If I base my decisions in life on my feelings, where are they going to go? Carl Truman, in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, shares these thoughts. He says, the language of morality as now used is really nothing more than the language of personal preference based on nothing more relational or objective than sentiments or feelings. The language of morality. Speaking of emotivism, he says this. Essentially, emotivism presents preferences as if they were truth claims. There is a problem when feelings supersede facts or truth. My words. Let me give give you an example. It's kind of a dumb one, but it's an example. Um, I feel like I can fly. And I say, go ahead. Because you'll discover what, that your feelings have deceived you when you confront the fact of gravity. You might feel like you can fly, but your feelings will deceive you. God gave us emotions and feelings, and I am thankful that he did. But the point is this. If we reduce truth to feelings, whether individual or group, then whose feelings matter? Yours or mine or ours and Based on what will we discover truth? There's a problem. Again, George Barna in American Culture and Faith Institute. 23% of Christians strongly agree. 23%. What is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. Do you see a problem with that? What is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. As a result, truth has become clay to be molded by each individual. Truth would be I, I thought about bringing clay, clay up here and just kind of molding it and go like, "Here's some truth for you." and then handing it to you and just let you mold it, because it would look different. Your creation would look different. Uh, my kids did the pottery thing <clears throat> in school, and uh, if I were to bring you Two examples of what they created in school. One looks actually really ugly. <laughs> and uh, one looks pretty good. And I won't tell you which son did the ugly one or which son did the nice looking one. But it was molded by their hands. It just looks different. Our, our, our clay would look different. Truth has become clay molded by each individual um, John Climaclis, who was a, a monk, I, I believe he lived in the 1600s, one of my favorite quotes, he said, man must employ every means to lift his clay and place it upon the throne. Now i have reminded of the scripture in Isaiah chapter 64, verse eight, and yet, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. It seems in life that we have jumped from the wheel to the potter, and we have molded clay. We have molded truth. But there's a biblical warning in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and I love the way that Paul shares this right down somewhere. Meditate on it when you get home. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Can you just visualize Paul saying that? Like, don't let anyone capture you. And then we have this word picture now in our minds of what that looks like, right? When you capture something, you, you, you take a hold of it. You have it. You capture it. Um, don't let anyone capture you with these empty philosophies. I, I love this, like, high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Now, are we to be people who don't think? Of course not. We are to discern what is right or wrong. We are to be people who correctly handle the word of truth. And so that's why we try to do our best to teach truth based on the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. And it comes from time spending in God's spending time in God's word and depending on the spirit that lives in you and the spirit that lives in me. What is Paul condemning here? Paul is condemning thinking or reasoning based on anti-Christian principles. And what he's saying is this, if one begins from an uh, anti-spiritual position, they will arrive at anti-spiritual conclusions. And now you can go back and think about that Jesus story again, right? If you you start this way, building on the sand, this is what you're going to end up with in life. If you begin with human thinking and human reasoning uh, that sometimes reflect our feelings over biblical truth, If we begin from an anti-spiritual position, we will end up and arrive at anti-spiritual conclusion. Wisdom that is based on fallen humans can find itself at odds with biblical truth. Paul is warning believers to focus on truth and on Christ, not human thinking or preference. We're to focus on truth. We're to focus on Jesus not human thinking or preference. Preference. We read in Genesis chapter three that God had given His good creation to Adam and Eve to steward. Moreover, He had said they could eat from all the trees in the garden. Right? You remember the story, the narrative in Genesis chapter three. All the trees in the garden except the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil. Here's what biblical scholars tell us: that was intended here in the word knowledge, has to do with naming things. Think about it. Human beings, as the sacramental image bearers of God, belong to him. So we belong to him. They do not belong to themselves. They are the lords of creation, but not of themselves. Applies to you and to me. As such, they are given the privilege of naming the animals and other created things, but not good and evil. Only God can know how humans are to express his image and what ways of living express that image and ways that do not. Joyce Little renders the meaning of this passage in Genesis. Here's what she says. In other words, the command God gives them can be translated like this. Do not claim the ability to name or to define what is good and evil for yourselves because you do not know enough about me to know what you are supposed to do to be my image in the world. Only I know how I can properly be imaged, and therefore only I can tell you what is good and evil for you. We just finished a series out of the book of Judges, and we can see that being played out. actually see it being played out throughout the Bible. What happens when man calls evil good, Um, and good evil. Reflecting on Joyce Little, my friend Tom Fismeyer shares these thoughts. He says, it's easy to see now why we can't agree on the good. Our deep confusion here is the byproduct of our usurpation of God's right to name good and evil. Moral truth is determined by the truth, capital T, who is God. Once we lose the truth, we can no longer discern the good which depends upon it. The truth and the good are intrinsically connected. Whether their determination lies with God or with us becomes a matter of personal and cultural life or death. Or again, going back to the Jesus story, one collapses and one does not. N.T. Wright says all truth is somebody's truth. Everything depends on who's telling the story and from what angle. But does that mean there's no such thing as truth after all? And he says this, of course not. Our call as followers of Jesus, if you are, I don't care if you've been following Jesus for like 80 years or 50 years, or you are a brand new follower of Jesus. Our call is to mature in the faith. And then Ephesians, Paul says this, "Then, then as we mature, we won't be tossed around and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. As we mature in the faith, John Huss said it well, he said, seek the truth, listen to the truth, teach the truth, love the truth, abide by the truth, and defend the truth unto death. And as God enables us, we will. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live the truth, and the truth we must live is the Bible. And that's what these first two weeks are all about, except for next week, because we'll be outside, is building a biblical foundation for how we're going to address other matters. We must stand on the firm foundation of God's word. For every follower of Jesus who is a committed disciple, we, the truth we must live is the Bible. We must hold to the truth that the Bible presents The world is offering a version of truth when it comes to the sanctity of life, sexuality, the church or or the the body of Christ, as parents, the raising of children, that is in opposition of biblical truth. Truth matters, and where you get your truth matters. So how, how we negotiate this maze, it matters what the foundation that we live our lives on. Truth matters, and where you get your truth matters. This series will address these topics. I'm deeply committed to biblical truth and doing my best to lead you in that regardless of the cost, the personal cost. It's in a time when it seems the motto is my truth. And you probably have heard that. Every anchor is being uprooted. We need to be people committed to biblical truth in all matters pertaining to life and to living. It's called a biblical worldview. This is the foundation that we must have. A biblical worldview is based on the unchanging word of God. It's how we view the realities of the world and how we make sense of life. Now you're going like, well, what's a biblical worldview? That's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks. How do we live it out? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next two weeks. A biblical worldview, we must not only commit to it in our belief and in our actions and living according to it, not by our feelings. We must commit to it in belief, in actions, not by our our feelings. A biblical worldview impacts our values and impacts our behaviors. We'll be talking about that. How do we do it? What are the implications of born again believers not having a biblical word? We were going to talk about that. I'm going to share with you um, in two weeks what I believe some of the most disturbing statistics, new statistics that I've read in a long, long time. And it deals with you and me. What are the signs of what a progressive, quote unquote, progressive church looks like? That's what I'm going to be sharing with you in, in two weeks. You'll not want to miss. And you'll want want to miss our outdoor gathering, which is next Sunday. Don't show up here at 10.30, show up at 10 o'clock. But we're going to be diving into what it looks like to build on the foundation of a biblical worldview. And then we're going to address some of the issues that you and I are facing today from a biblical perspective. Not a Tom perspective. Not one of our feelings. But asking this, what is the Bible Say. So I'm going to ask you for three commitments. I'm going to ask you for three commitments knowing that um, it's, it's going to mean that, that we uh, adjust something in our life. Number one, I'm going to ask you to commit to attending each week. It's that important. I believe that this series will be one of the most important series that we've talked about. I know that that means that for some of you, um, you're going to set aside your schedules. Um, you know the average i the average person attends church about once a month or something like that now i'm just going to ask you if that's you like to increase that i just boldly ask that online if you're in our area I just ask you to join the community here in, in person. I think it's so important that we gather in, in person like what we're doing today. So I'm, I love the online campus, and I love you. And, uh, but if you can be here, I just encourage you to be here and commit to attending each week as we explore truth in a lot of the issues that we are facing today. Um, I'm going to ask you to commit to reading the Bible. Now, I know for many of you that's, that's a... Um, it's part of your rhythm, your da- daily rhythm. For some, um, it's a part of your weekly rhythm. So if, if it's something you do once a week, try doing it two times a week or three times a week because I think it's that important. Commit to reading the Bible and then commit to joining a group. I mentioned earlier, I'm in two, two groups and I call it shared accountability and shared learning. It's a way I believe that we have to live in order to navigate this maze. That, that we're in. So we commit to gathering together, as Jesus called us to do, and we commit to reading the Bible, being in his word, and commit to doing life together. Three, this, I, I finally told, told the teammates, look, I can't get everything in, in in one week. So this is part one of part two to of building a biblical foundation back to the Jesus story so that we can address some of these issues. So I hope that you will continue joining us. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm just going to ask you, you know, I think Mario led us in a wonderful prayer, and in the same vein, kind of open up our hands and our heart to Jesus. What is he saying to you today? What is Jesus saying to you today? What change does he want to make in your life today? How about one of these three commitments? What will you lift to him as together we kind of go down this journey of of talking about truth based on God's word? What's he saying to you today? What will you offer up to him this morning? Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you for um, this morning. I thank you for this community, this faith community. God, I just pray that we will be passionate followers committed to living out biblical truth, committed to living out loving others as you have loved us. Father, as we just lift our hearts to you with open hands, just ask this question, Jesus, what do you want to change in my life? Um, What does your spirit want to do in me? And God, I would pray that we would be open to what it is that you're saying. God, as we commit ourselves to living out biblical truth, I pray that we will do that not just with biblical conviction, that for sure, but with biblical compassion, I pray. God, I pray that our hearts, I pray my heart would be open to you, that my life would be reflective of who you are to all of those around me. God, we we lift this to you, and we thank you in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Amen, let's stand together, shall we?
0: Everlasting, the all creating one, God. In the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints coming. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again.